I mean, it's great to be free of the ball and chain of JavaScript. Like, it's great. It's the English of the programming world. But oh, man, it's really nice to have a free library, it almost feels like. <laughs> it's a good feeling. That's always been like the holy grail of programming to like be able to write plain English and just have something happen. It's only in the animation space. It's not for all programming. There's no like crazy logic. But in that space, we wanted to make it feel kind of like you're just writing and out in words. Alrighty, hi there, and welcome to Pod Rocket. I'm your host, Paul, and today we have Matan and Miles Ingram with us. And Matan is a product designer. He's a CSS geek. He loves, you know, you love designing things and creating products and, and engineering. And Miles is an everything engineer. Because I, I was asking Miles, like, what do you do? He's like, oh, I do robotics. I do all sorts of stuff. So they're both, they both love front end. Uh, we're going to talk about front end today. We're going to talk about NM XYZ, right? Um, so let's let's roll right into it and talk about what is NM XYZ. Who, who created You guys created it together? Yeah, we created it together. We're brothers, and we've worked uh, together on side projects for many years. Um, and through those side projects, we realized that we needed a to write a lot of animations. And so that eventually led to NMXYZ. And what it is, is it's a CSS animation toolkit that it lets you create and compose keyframe animations using Tailwind-like utilities uh, that are all powered by CSS variables. And it lets you make the animation that you want without having to worry about boilerplate code or tons of keyframe animations or custom CSS. Right on. So it's like an ergonomic way for people to approach animations. It sounds like it's you know, very native. It's in CSS. There, there's nothing too crazy going on here, right? Yeah, I think we, we try to avoid um, JavaScript as much as possible because there's so many incredibly powerful, uh, you know, web capabilities before even JavaScript. You know, HTML and CSS have so much power behind them, especially now. Uh, it's really just, yeah, I feel like the last couple of years, CSS has just become like, has really blown up in its capabilities. And so, uh, you know, you don't have to wait for JavaScript to load. Uh, you can just, you know, the CSS runs right at the start and you get to see those animations as soon as possible, right on the GPU, uh, no performance problems. CSS uses the GPU, right? I, don't, I feel like that's a topic we haven't really delved into much, at least uh, here on the podcast or I have with, with guests. So do you guys really, do you make special use of the GPU in some way or just what's natively built in? We just try to follow animation best practices that we've learned where we primarily just offer things like opacity and transforms um, as the built-in animations. Um, you can, of course, add more to that on top of that, but any CSS animation that uses just opacity or a transform uh, will be as performant as possible because the CPU can just move that image around and change its opacity quite easily. The GPU, rather. Gotcha. Got okay, so it's just best practices, making sure you're using the right types of functions in the right spots. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a, it's a very performance-first library. And I think that in order to do that, we had to use CSS. You know, JavaScript is just not going to be as performant almost all the time. Like, maybe there's some edge cases, but almost all, all the time, CSS is going to be the most performant way to do an animation. And it makes it more approachable, too, for uh, any dev that maybe is new to JavaScript. This is still something that anyone who knows HTML and CSS can use. Uh, you don't need React or Vue, though it makes it easier if you want to use those. But it's just something you can drop in and add a few utility classes like anyone who uses Tailwind knows. And it will uh, work right out of the box. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's great to be free of the ball and chain of JavaScript. Like, it's great. It's it's it's, it's the English of the programming world. But, oh, man. 
it's, it's, it's really nice to have it's like a free library it almost feels like <laughs> it's a good feeling that's always been like the holy grail of programming is to like be able to write plain english and just have something happen and so we wanted to like you know it's only in the animation space it's not like for all programming there's no like crazy logic but in that space we wanted to make it feel kind of like you're just writing just writing it out in words so, all right, we learned a little bit about the basis of what Anim XYZ is. Let's like circle back for a sec because we jumped right into it. And I think it's really cool that you guys are brothers and you made this product. So how do you, how do you guys get into programming or into this field and making something together? Because that's a whole other step. Like, you know, like, yeah, let's team up and let's actually do it. So many layers. Yeah, it's <laughs> like I, I studied out, started out studying you know, traditional design in school. Um, and I tried to do a self-determined human-computer interaction major. Uh, and took, you know, psychology and communication design and all that stuff. Uh, and funny enough, don't use pretty much any of that in my day-to-day real life. Almost everything I learned on the job and what I was doing was working in startups for the last like decade, um, starting out with more typical marketing content. And then just, you know, more and more web stuff kept popping up. And I realized, wow, I really need to understand what this media that I'm designing for. Um, and just over the years, kind of accidentally learned HTML and CSS and realized how much I loved it. Um, and now that's my, you know, I'm a web designer f- front and center. Um, butter. That's, that's a whole new definition of a happy accident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, in terms of working together, I mean, we've always been friends in terms of like where we have a close relationship in terms of our interests and, and a lot of overlapping things in terms of, uh, what we like to talk about philosophically and practically and this and that, um, and in our separate work, we kept running into the same problems, um, like the same frustrations, technically, culturally, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it made us realize that we want to work together because we share a lot of philosophy on how things should be built and designed and things like that. Yeah, I feel like our backgrounds kind of started pretty separate and just converged. I don't know mm-hmm. whether that was because we were in constant, you know, communication as brothers living under the same roof, but uh, also just kind of our interests align and have aligned for a long time and in terms of the core things that we like to do, which is, you know, solve problems and programming is great at doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we've also discovered, you know, we have our fights as brothers, but we discovered we're quite good at managing them and turning them into like constructive conversations. <laughs> um, even if at first, sometimes it's like, ah, and then it turns out that actually we're, we're really digging down to what it is the core issue that we're trying to solve. Yeah. Um, and that could be super useful. Yeah, I mean, everybody's going to get in arguments when you're making something new. And if, if, if you have that communication, those communication skills built up, it's a huge, huge advantage. It puts you at an advantage because you can navigate through those problems faster than a new team. So, I mean, that's cool. So you got together, you, you identified this problem, and you started working on it. Was Anim XYZ like the, the solution to that first problem? Or was that like you guys started working together, you like, primed your pumps and then yeah so um we were actually working on a, another project uh mm-hmm. called you heard which is this uh, this project that was kind of for event invitations rsvps and uh you know we we were creating animations for this and we had this kind of s- extensive list of keyframe animations that we copied from every project we work on to the next one and we'd only use a few of those but with, then we'd like have to tweak them maybe change the distance the animation moved for the specific context or mm-hmm. change the amount of fade or things like that. And uh, actually, I think Matan originally was just like, why don't we use CSS variables? They're, they're new in, in yeah. the CSS space. Why don't we try 
to make them a little bit customizable by adding a CSS variable, maybe for the distance. And so we did that. And we we're like, oh, that works beautifully. Now we cut the keyframe animations that we use in half. We made them very customizable. And then we like, you know, we thought about it together and we were like, we can just go all the way with this. Why don't we make everything CSS variables, make the entire thing customizable, the entire thing composable. And, you know, unlike some other things, it just worked right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> like it just like it was kind of beautiful to, to do because it was just coming together day by day really quickly. And then, you know, of course, we decided let's make this a full fledged thing. Let's build this documentation site and uh, we can't put the whole project together. And actually, I think that's the way the best things work out is that it's not like we had the idea of holy form from the get go. It was started out as I have way too much code here that is like 90% of it's identical, just fades with an X direction or a Y direction or a Z direction. And then also one for each distance. So I had one for small motion, a large motion, 100% motion. And I was just like, it was just all this duplicate code. Um, but it, that's the thing, like the seed of it was just that let's reduce this code a bit and make it a little more customizable. Um, and then it dawned on us that it was just like, you can take that so much further. And I think Miles was really the one that realized that, you know, instead of just having a few customizable directions here, let's just stack the whole transform <laughs> list of options with variables and you can pass in whatever you want. Um, and that was, that was the first step towards AnimXYZ. Mm. Stuff like utilities and the fancy attribute stuff came later. Um, but the key thing was the realization of the power of CSS variables. What's an example of a fancy attribute? Um, well, not so much fancy in the sense that giving, at first, you know, it was just like you have an element, you could target it with a CSS selector, and then you could put on a CSS variable and, and change the, the animation that it would have. Um, and then I think, Miles, you realized that, like, oh, why not kind of like Tailwind just have the variables in selectors, like a class that we could just pass in? Oh yeah. yeah, and 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 I think like you know, for example, like the real fancy stuff that you can get like with Anim XYZ, uh, the thing that is really fun to play around with is nesting. You know, you mm -hmm. can even add like a single property uh, or a single class on an element, and suddenly it's animating at the same time as its parents are animating. Its parent elements are animating, and you can get these like kind of uh, orchestrated animations without any JavaScript. Um, just by adding a few fancy attributes or classes. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they're not really fancy. They're just regular <laughs> classes, but they do fancy things um, on the, the child elements. Um, staggering, where elements will appear after one another with a, with a tapping between them. Um, and that's just a single word you add in the you know, utilities list. And Enjoying the podcast? Consider hitting that follow button for more great episodes. So... When you were you were talking a little bit at the beginning, like oh, I, we just wanted to make it like English, like you're just writing it, and, and I guess that's kind of one of the big tropes of NMXYZs. It's like it's very approachable. So, what level approachable is it? Like, can we talk in English to it? Like, how did you <laughs> how did you engineer to get as close to that as possible? And what prompted you to build it in that way? Well, it definitely gives me an idea for like machine learning version of Anim XYZ in the future. <laughs> you can just describe anything. Well, that's going to be for all coding. Right? <laughs> um, well, I think, you know, if, if you look at some of the existing animation libraries out there, uh, particularly the CSS ones, you're given very explicit um, predefined animations like bounce um, or, you know, fade in left large. Um, and yeah, those are 
plain English, but there it's like a whole sentence just given to you. Um, and that's, you can only use that whole sentence and it might not be as subtle or as, as exaggerated or, or precise as you want it to be. Um, and so I think we kind of wanted to create like an alphabet or, or a dictionary of animation words that you can then turn into a sentence yourself. Um, so instead of that bounce or that fade in up left being like one word, you can describe it as fade up left uh, and those are separate words. And if you just take one out, you can tweak it. You can add, you know, different numbers on them to change the intensity. Um, it makes it a little bit more just like describing the animation instead of just picking and choosing from predefined ones. So it's like all the other frameworks are are looping softwares and yours a sampler. It's <laughs> an awesome way of putting it. Actually. I've <laughs> yeah. never thought of it that way, but I yeah. like that metaphor. <laughs> yeah, it's a great metaphor. Right okay. Feel very powerful. Is it is it kind of, and you can just kind of like chain them on to each other and it becomes like one statement that produces in it. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. You can you can chain them. You can then like let's say you you like it but you want it to move just a little bit less from the left and maybe slightly from up. You can add, you know, up in, tweak the value that's at the end of left. So maybe you had left 50% before, you can change it to left 25%. And you don't have to like go to the docs and look up which exact sentence you want to pull out. And instead, you can just tweak those individual words to compose a completely new sentence. I mean, we could probably calculate how many permutations of combinations of utilities there are. And it would just be, it would be insane. It would be, you know, it would be a huge number. So there are definitely some nuances in like when you're picking utility names, like when you we have one called like flip down. Right. And is that the top of the item and flipping down or is it the bottom flipping <laughs> yeah. like back? You know, there's like different people might interpret the, the same word differently. And so we definitely had a few debates and discussions mm-hmm. over uh, what's the, the most default assumption you make when you hear a particular animation keyword. Yeah, those are the downsides of going into plain English is like, do you use rotate Z? Because who, you know, who can immediately visualize, like very few people will immediately visualize what rotate Z means, which is a vertical flip. Mm -hmm. Or do you use flip down or flip up? Um, Do you use clockwise, counterclockwise? All these are options, you know, when you're dealing with things that, which one is the most approachable? And I think the answer is nuanced. It can be, Mm -hmm. you know, it depends on the person. Like, for example, we did go with rotate left and right instead of clockwise and counterclockwise because it's shorter to write. And we found that most people did assume that it meant the top part of the item rotating left or right, Um, even though the bottom rotates the opposite direction. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we found there were some some sane assumptions there, yeah. Yeah, I think discussions like this really make me think about, like, if I didn't have English as a first language, like, these types of things would be very challenging. Like, it can be incredibly nuanced, especially when you're there's some like very high level libraries that use language like this. And yeah, you have to interpret and, and really understand like what's going on. Um, so is this, um, you know, sampled approach, like really being able to compose things like, is this something that you think is unique to anim XYZ? Like if there are new developers out here who are like, I want a CSS only animation framework. Is this one of the things that we would broadcast to them and say like, this is powerful. It's unique to our framework. And if, and if yes or no, regardless, what's maybe something else that you're particularly proud of that you're able to build into this framework? I think definitely when we built it, it was absolutely the yeah. first uh, CSS animation library that did this kind of composable utility approach. Um, I think Tailwind has it now. I think Tailwind has some ways of doing transitions by combining their yeah. utilities. 
it feels a little less ergonomic, but you know, I, I haven't used it much, so I, I couldn't, couldn't say exactly how it works. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the thing that we were really, you know, or at least I'm really proud of is kind of how ergonomic we were able to make it using, using these words and, and how like oftentimes we would find ourselves like tweaking animations in these tiny little ways that just, just worked beautifully. Like right when we tried it, we didn't, we didn't have to check anything and make sure, you know, we were using the right words or whatever and the right, right utilities. And, um, yeah, I don't know. And, and the, the, the nesting and, and, and the staggering, all of it just flows. I don't know. And I think what, one thing that I also am proud of with NMXYZ that it's, you know, it's, I think the, one of the most approachable CSS only animation frameworks, the only, uh, composable, composable one beyond maybe Tailwind, but also it doesn't limit you. So Tailwind has a few, I think, transition keywords it gives you, um, but they're not using the full like transform stack and that we provide, meaning any animation that you want to do that can be done with CSS keyframes, AnimeXYZ can do. Um, for some more complex and advanced stuff, you might have to, to tweak it a little bit further, but out of the box, we provide every transform and access to more complex things if you want, um, which I'm not sure any other library can can promise outside of the JavaScript ones. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely do that with transforms and opacities. I have to clarify by saying that, like, we don't do color animations right. or, you know, all the other CSS properties, but we allow you to uh, use your own keyframes to override the keyframes that we use so that you can still use the duration and delay and stagger and all those other helper utilities with your own keyframes if you want to do like a very complicated one that involves box shadow trans transitions and mm -hmm. who knows, you know, like all the other stuff. Um, and I think you actually bring up something there that we didn't mention is that we, we know beyond just the transforms and animations that you're doing, all the stagger, we have like reverse stagger, we have kind of quality of life things where it's oftentimes just more complicated nth child selectors you're writing to try and have that happen and uh we realize you know we can take we can save your, your time doing that um you just describe the stagger you want and it'll happen instead of having to go look up a bunch of css tricks articles to figure out how to write those nth child perfectly right um and i think there's there's yeah there's a couple more we also provide an absolute uh modifier so that the animation happens in a, a position absolute space instead of the default one um don't forget to mention that we have really cool docs. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. You got You want to have fun when you're looking up how to do something, mm -hmm. you know, and, and learning a new tool. It, it, you know, if it's not fun, you're going you're gonna to lose interest fast. I think great docs are like one of the paramount things of the success of like any technology you might scoop up online. I mean... There are some GCP articles like that are just so horribly written. I never, I was like, I'm using AWS. I, I can't even deal with this. <laughs> I'm, I'm moving on. So uh, if that that's really encouraging to hear about, especially in like the CSS. One thing with that gets me is like coming from the back end space with the front end space is like, you guys like know everything about everything. And if you're coming into web, I feel like I read articles and they like will throw around terms sometime where I'm just like, I am so disoriented and I really need like, let's start from ground zero documentation. And there are some frameworks out there that provide that. And that's why I've used them like react. It's like they have phenomenal docs. Like, so 
Awesome. So if people want to find these docs, uh, is it just on the NMXYZ website? Is that where we should point them to? Okay. Yep, NMXYZ.com. There's a documentation link at the top or just write slash docs and it'll take you straight there. Or, or if you're one of those people that wants to go onto the source code, click the mm-hmm. GitHub link and you can dive in. And, and we always encourage people that if something isn't clear there, please ping us in an issue or a GitHub discussion. And we really love to get that kind of feedback to improve yeah. the wording. I mean, we rewrote some of these doc sections like three or four times just to try and get that clarity. Um, it's really hard to figure out how to describe something to someone when you built it. <laughs> you like know everything about the tool. So you're like, how would I feel coming into this, you know, without any knowledge? So we asked a few people um, but, and, you know, we've gotten some feedback, but definitely would love any additional feedback on the wording and confusion that may come from certain parts and we were blown away by the response, actually. Like, we're uh, eight stars away from 2K stars on GitHub. And, like, we've never made anything popular like that. So it was super amazing to see that something that saved us so much time and was so fun to use resonated with other devs uh, as well. It's a great feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a, probably the biggest reward of open source is just, like, seeing people use your tool. Yeah. And celebrate it. And con- so are people, like, actively contributing right now, too? No, I mean, there are definitely uh, some people active in the issues and discussions. And what my favorite thing to see is someone else solving a problem for someone else in the community without us even having to uh, contribute. But in terms of directly code or docs, not so much. No, not so much. I mean, it, I think that one thing, I think I see this often with like CSS uh, frameworks too, or CSS libraries is that CSS just when it works, it just will continue to work. Like <laughs> it's just like that's one of the things that's very nice about using CSS mm-hmm. is that once it's solid, it just kind of will stay solid. And there might be better ways of writing it in the future. You know, new tricks come out in CSS that you can change a more complex wording to a sim- you know a simpler one uh, or make it more efficient. But that's something that's really nice about working with CSS is that it might, might be hard to get something working, but once it's working, it just kind of will work forever. Mm-hmm. Um, although we did come across two WebKit bugs that we submitted and the WebKit team was fantastic about solving them. Yeah. Um, and so it's really cool to see that we've also maybe contributed to the development of Safari and other WebKit-based uh, browsers, fixing some of the, the animation bugs there. It's Emily again, producer for PodRocket, and I want to talk to you. Yeah, you, the person who's listening but won't stop talking about your new favorite front-end framework to your friends, even though they don't want to hear about it anymore. Well, I do want to hear about it because you're really important to us as a listener. So what do you think of PodRocket? What do you like best? What do you absolutely hate? What's the one thing in the entire world that you want to hear about? Edge computing? Weird little component libraries? How to become a productive developer when your Wi-Fi is out? I don't know, and that's the point. If you get in contact with us, you can rant about how we haven't had your favorite dev advocate on or tell us we're doing great, whatever. And if you do, we'll give you a $25 gift card. That's pretty sweet, right? So reach out to us. Links are in the description. $25 gift card. So if people wanted to take your NM XYZ framework and use it in React today? What's like their first step? I would say, as usual, the first step is to check out the docs and go to the section that describes, you know, the installation. But it's really as simple as, as doing the correct imports of the library, you know, 
We have a, you know, at animexyz slash react. And then you also import the core library, which is the CSS. And, uh, and then uh, you use the components that it provides um, for React. Vue is quite similar, um, although Vue uses a plugin system, which allows you to not have to import the components everywhere. Um, but yeah, the components that we provide are, are, are kind of quality of life improvement components that they basically add those classes, um, you know, when elements are entering the page and, you know, add the correct classes when they're leaving the page to do the animations that are running in CSS. So it really is just adding, um, you know, classes so that the CSS, uh, you know, runs when the elements appear and disappear. Um, and the view one is the same. Uh, we actually ran into some uh, complexity uh, trying to build a library for Svelte because we couldn't find uh, a way to do that as easily with Svelte. There, yeah, Svelte animations don't run the same way as Vue and React ones do. Um, so yeah, we haven't figured out how to do that yet, but we would love to have AnimeXYZ be mo even more framework agnostic in the future. Great opportunity for someone who wants to contribute. Yep, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> if you can figure out how to get the, the same type of like view or React transition group ergonomics mm -hmm. um, with, uh, with a Svelte component, that would be awesome. We'd love to add that. We will merge that pull request in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think it's important, something that was important to us was making the React and Vue uh, developer experience as similar as possible to the most common ones people already have with Vue and React. So our components wrap around the native built-in Vue uh, transition components. And then the React one, we use the React transition group awesome uh, library. library, which, yeah, it's probably the most popular React, uh, just basic like item and list transition ones. And so um, the experience is very similar to what people are already familiar with in those libraries with a couple of nice upgrades that we provided uh, to make it even easier to use. Right on. So visit the docs, and it's it sounds like it's very play, uh, pluggable to how you, anybody would be used to using React. Right? Awesome. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Like if you have a list of items you're going to animate in, you just wrap it in the uh, XYZ transition group component and pop on an XYZ uh, attribute describing what you want and maybe a stagger on there, and it's going to work out of the box. Yeah. Uh, one yeah one thing about the JavaScript animation libraries that I've used like like green talk even though they are really powerful they can get messy sometimes with react in terms of like who has control and you know how things are getting passed around so if it's that easy to animate something that sounds like very enticing because you can just go try it out in an afternoon just really easy oh we also have some code sandbox links uh mm -hmm. that will build you a little code sandbox with some with it set up so you can play with it right oh, away that's awesome um, yeah, down in the React and Vue sections of the docs, there's some links to uh, examples and templates that you can use. So you have, like, super docs. <laughs> <laughs> we like to think so, but there's always room for improvement. I think the wording is something that we'd love to get feedback on, especially. Mm. Like, but also, I think what was so important about this and, and something I encouraged anyone working on open source to do was, like, have fun with it. Like, we kept working so much in the docs and adding so much detail because it was actually really enjoyable. Um, we weren't just, you know, writing some plain markdown and putting it into a pre-built doc generator, we were building the docs we wanted to use. Um, and that made it, and we, that we also had the chance to put in like little experiments and fun design details and stuff. Like if you get a chance, there's a little 3D cube on the site. And if you click on it, you'll get this fun effect that uh, we call the X-ray effect. And it lets you see um, all the XYZ attributes on each of the elements in the docs and in the page that are being used behind the scenes. 
Um, and, and that's get- all CSS powered. I mean, my brother made a genius little animation there and using the XYZ attribute and having that be the content of an after element. And it's just such a clever way f- to have this like cool effect as, as well as being helpful to the docs and the users and being CSS only. It was just a lot of fun. Yeah, highly interactive. You can see it right there. That's that's neat. Click the little cube. Okay. <laughs> what's one of the? Uh, I mean, that I mean that sounds pretty cool already. But what's like something crazy that somebody built? Like I've seen I've seen crazy stuff built in CSS. So I wonder if there's anything you've seen a user build that was very impressive or like you were like, wow, they did that with our stuff. Like that's pretty cool. It's a good question. I actually haven't checked some of the recent usage of AnimXYZ. I mean, we, we see the MPM stats going up, but um, it's hard to tell which ones are like the biggest projects. So mostly the usage we've seen has been kind of as expected landing page uh, animations as you scroll or as you uh, as things load. Um, and uh, we loved the, uh, the example in the LogRocket blog post um, in there. That's like a perfect example of how it could be used. Um, I think I saw someone, I don't remember exactly the context, someone used one of those libraries that splits a sentence into individual mm-hmm. letters and then added XYZ properties onto them so that they animated. So they made like a like letter by letter animation where they all kind of like stagger in and, and you know, flow in. That's it was, awesome. It was, a, it was a cool kind of combination of our library with another library that allows you to do like letter by letter mm-hmm. stuff. I thought it was pretty nifty. I think there's a great opportunity with AnimeXYZ to do art, like animation, CSS art. Um, I should just play around with this a bit, but like just generate a hundred elements on the page and just use our stagger and nesting and like overrides and inheritance stuff. Um, I think you could get some really cool uh, like cascading transforms and, you know, pulsating diamonds and things like that. What about, have you guys watched Three Blue, One Brown? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. What about, could you do something like with his framework with Anim XYZ to animate like a little video and explain something? His name's Grant, right? Um, yeah, Grant. Grant he, um, I mean, his stuff is just like insanely beautiful and intricate. I think it would be hard to do like graph based animations. I mean, we do. You, you, you can, can do line stroke the dash, animations. The dash offset on an yeah. SVG stroke to like draw in something you could do. And like chunks of SVG or chunks of a presentation for a video could be animated in. Um, but the more complex math animations where the actual like equation line is evolving over time or like turning to a spiral, that would definitely be beyond our, uh, beyond XYZ's abilities. Yeah. Right. Well, it's not really aimed at that. I guess yeah. it's more like you know. It's I mean, more we, like, you can do three D transforms, and it's okay. Stuff that people do with CSS three D is pretty amazing. So, um, I would love to see if someone use it for a CSS game or something. <laughs> That'd be fun. Or like, what if somebody wanted to? Let's. I want to make a video about networking. Okay, and I and I like have a computer here and a computer there, and I want to show like the packets going boop 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 like between them like this. That's something NM XYZ could excel at, right? Because it's just like a repeating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just uh, select uh, that group of items and just do like left one hundred percent infinite, iterate, iterate infinite, and um, with the the fade on it. Actually, be interesting if you could pulse the fading. I'm like, is that maybe the infinite iteration would do that? But yes, you could you could do some basic um, like diagram animations for sure. Nice. That's what I'm trying to talk about. Diagram mm-hmm. animations. Okay. One of the kind of future directions that we want to go is to 
you know, similar to what Tailwind did do a just in time compiler, which just means that like, you aren't even, you aren't even only limited to the utilities that we provide. You could basically create your own utilities by using words. Mm -hmm. And so you could, um, the things that that would allow could, could maybe even go beyond what we already allow and, and let you do, uh, different timings for different parts of animations that are composed and, and maybe even animation chaining, which currently is limited to only JavaScript. So if you want an animation to occur the moment another animation finishes and then another one to occur the moment that one finishes, there really is no native CSS way of doing that because uh, that has to rely on JavaScript events. Um, unless you use the just-in-time compiler that could figure out how long the animation would take and then have a delay for the next animation that mm -hmm. takes that long. So there's some really crazy stuff you could do if you use the just-in-time compiler. Also, I think one of my number one CSS feature requests is to be able to set variables uh, using like an attribute on an element so you don't have to write a whole inline style. Because with our utilities, you can tweak like the left or the rotate amount by one, two, three, four, five, or, you know, 15, uh, 25, 50, 75%. But if you wanted to get that exact like 64.5 picks value in there, you have to add a CSS variable. So it would be like dash dash XYZ uh, translate X. And so to add that to an element, you either have, to, either have to add it in an inline style or you have to make a selector and add it separately. And it would be super cool if like the just-in-time compiler or attributes that become uh, variables would be just to add it in line with much less text. Mm -hmm. So you guys mentioned before we started the podcast that you're moving on to another project. There's something else you're working on, right? And this one's startup. Mm -hmm. What's the name of the startup? Like, let's, let's talk about it for a sec. Uh, it's called Visible. You can check it out at visible.page. Um, and we're trying to build a tool that transforms your information from static text into actually useful, powerful views. So anytime you're interacting with information that has dates, locations, media, numbers, usually it's just stuck in a Google Doc or like maybe a spreadsheet. Um, and we have all these powerful web tools like maps and calendars and things like that, that you have to use like a half dozen different tools just to see the same information in all those places. Uh, so what Visible is going to do is let you transform your information into a map, into a calendar, into slideshows, galleries, whatever is most appropriate for your information in one place. And then it's shareable, multiplayer, like fully live. Um, so you can, you know, plan a family trip together or do your apartment hunt on there or write down your recipes and each different set of information will be viewable in the best way possible. Can you give an example of uh, maybe a use case that you've wanted this for that you didn't find online and you were like, all right, we're going to make it and we're going to make put these features in it? Um, I mean, uh, one for me is just uh, like remembering what my favorite thing to order is at uh, various restaurants. And it's just a kind of silly example, but in Google Maps, you know, I have a few restaurants favorited, but all you get is this tiny little text box if you want to add notes. And that's essentially it. And what I, you know, I want to, remember what it looked like and add a few notes and when we last ordered it or something like that. And so what this tool does is I could write down the name of the restaurant when I last ordered, put in a photo that I took last took of it. And now I have a ongoing log of my like favorite restaurants and dishes um, that I can view through any of those angles, through a map, through a calendar, just the, the gallery of the images. Um, similarly, like uh, uh, we've done apartment hunts before and 
you know, we try, you try to use Trello and you have all these columns, but then like the map is somewhere else. And then like, you want to know what days you're going to go visit the open house and that's in your Google calendar. And you're trying to coordinate this with your housemates. And it's just, it's a mess. Um, and so we feel like, why is that information spread out all over the place? It should be here in one tool that becomes the lens for seeing any kind of information available to you. Cause this kind of reminds me of shift a little bit, but that's more of like a personal, like here's my like messages and mail. This is more of like a collab, like using these modern APIs and technologies as a collaboration tool. Is that a, an accurate representation of what you're kind of aiming at? Yeah, absolutely. I think that like, imagine the power of notion in terms of dealing with data and, and, and free text and, and rich text, but with, a lot more flexibility in the views and being able to see things in so many more ways, including maps, including, you know, and in the future, we're going to be planning like data views where you'll get graphs. So like, let's say you have inline numeric data in your, in your, you know, in your kind of documents or in your database, Um, you'll be able to see that on the graphs. So like one example is I, I like surfing. So I could record my surf sessions and write how high the waves were and how strong the wind was and then see a graph of my surf sessions over time, where on the map they were, what date they were on, and you know, be able to view that on a map, view it on a calendar, view the graphs of the surf height over time. And that's like, it's, it would just kind of enable all sorts of new ways of you know, writing things down with rich data embedded into that content and ways of viewing that data. Mm-hmm. So it's like auto-indexing things as you're adding to this lake of stuff that belongs to you. And so, like, I don't know if I'm going to make a graph of my surfing wave heights in the future, but if I want to, like, it's indexed, it's there, and it's ready. I don't have to go through my Google Docs and pull out. The- I like that because I want to write things down, but, God, it takes so much time if I want to use the information later. Like, mm-hmm. You have to think about which column in your spreadsheet it's going in or think about what metadata you're adding. With ours, it's just text, and the important stuff is pulled out of that text everybody's different. Like I don't mind using a lot of like different services. I think personally, that's a problem for some people. And that's why I guess shift exists. But for my personal side, being able to have everything indexed like this and be able to produce these rich visualizations that I might not even know exist yet. Sounds really enticing. Check it out at uh, visible.page. We have mm-hmm. a, a interactive demo there and you can sign up for our uh, private beta. Um, and uh, we're really excited to uh, see people check it out and hear what they have to say. And we use NMXYZ in it. Yeah, we've got to add it to the NMXYZ site. <laughs> well, there, there's a professional example people can go check out if they want to <laughs> go check out uh, uh, your new tool. All right. Well, Matan and Miles, thank you for your time. Uh, it was great talking about NMXYZ. Um, and just to reiterate one more time at the end, if people want to go check it out, you have great docs. Go check out the NMXYZ docs. Mm-hmm. And if they want to go learn more about your startup, where should they go? Uh, visible.page. Visible.page. Okay, gotcha. Thanks again for coming on, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Paul. It was a pleasure. Hey, this is Emily, one of the producers for Pod Rocket. I'm so glad you're enjoying this episode. You probably hear this from lots of other podcasts, but we really do appreciate our listeners. Without you, there would be no podcast. And because of that, it would really help if you could follow us on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to bring you conversations with great devs like Evan Yu and Rich Harris. In return, we'll send you some awesome Pod Rocket stickers. 
So check out the show notes on this episode and follow the link to claim your stickers as a small thanks for following us on Apple Podcasts.